You're fat. You can drink anyone. Maybe if you show a little bit of cleavage. Maybe you're acting too smart. You're a boss. I just don't understand why you don't have a boyfriend. I would marry you. You're a tequila lover. You're not a party. You're the Chargers. I'm not going to be a party. Hey all you catches, it's your favorite former single gal Erin who transformed in front of your eyes, got railed in in front of your ears, and had an Oprah aha moment that changed everything. Ladies, before we can reel in the catch of a lifetime, we must first bait the hook with self-love. You're tuned in to another episode of You're Such a Catch, a podcast dedicated to helping you realize the catch that you are. We do not have to be defined by our relationship status nor conform to societal norms. All we have to do is be ourselves. Last week, Melody Pormorati, empowerment coach, author, and the host of the Empowering Her podcast, shared how she's claiming and helping other women claim empowerment. Her new book, Empowered Women, Empower Girls, is now available. I'm super stoked to read it. Last week, I teased that I had something up my sleeve, and if it happened, it would be a huge manifestation. I remember Jen Keller, Society and Culture Category Director for Podcast Magazine, telling me the universe would make this happen when she interviewed me for my August feature in the magazine. She was right. The universe delivered. Today, you're going to hear from Angie Lee, hype woman for the multi-passionate, health hacker, podcast host of The Angie Lee Show, and one of my role models. I've been following Angie for years, inspired by her story of how she got started, which if you aren't familiar, you'll learn today. I've watched her podcast blow up and contributed to the millions of downloads she has. I've watched her turn her wellness brand into an eight-figure business. But what inspired me the most about Angie wasn't a metric, but rather her ability to execute at such a high level while staying true to herself. She owns her weird, embraces her internal baby grandma, and she maneuvers through life being her true authentic self. Today, Angie is claiming authenticity. Before we get to it, please make sure you've subscribed on whatever podcast player you tune in on. You aren't going to want to miss a thing. If you find this episode helpful, please share it on your Instagram or with a friend or someone who could benefit from the message. There's also a downloadable worksheet that corresponds with today's episode. If you want to follow along, take action and evoke change, click on the link in the episode notes to download and print the form. Andrea, I feel like I've manifested this moment because I have looked up to you for so long. And I'm sure you probably hear that from a lot of women out there. I but- do, and then I go, why? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, why? <laughs> I guess it's a good thing that I don't know why, but it is always really weird. Oh my gosh. Well, I think for me, I was in the corporate sector for a very, very long time. And I always felt like something was out of alignment. And I didn't really know what it was. And then I don't even remember how I came across your your profile on Instagram. But I was like, oh, this girl's doing it different. This girl's doing it according to her, her own metric standards, all those things. She's like ditched the shoulds and she's out here kind of doing it a little bit messy, which I think is like ready as a lie, right? Yeah. Yeah. And also just kind of being unapologetically herself. And I think that draws people to you (laughs) because we all kind of crave to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that, that you 
see that. I'm just so grateful that you even see that and echo that because it wasn't really intentional. It was more of, and I'm sure you're the, the same way. It's, it was more of, I was super unemployable. I've always been a rule breaker. I hate rules. I've always just been like, why are we following the rules? Life is literally a game. You get to play it. You get to create it. So I've always had that mentality, which made school and corporate really difficult. And so I feel like I almost had no other choice. So when I'm interviewed, Mm. a lot of people are like, what was the drive behind entrepreneurship? And I'm like, yeah, obviously it's helping people and inspiring people and, and having the ability to have a job where I get to be myself is such a gift. And I'm so grateful, but I almost feel like I'm so unemployable that I don't, I don't know what else I would do because they would just be like, you're crazy. You're weird. And, and you're fired. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't think that, I think you have a vast skill set, which I kind of want to dive into. But if you don't mind for anybody who's listening, who doesn't really know your story, do you mind just kind of like sharing how you dropped out of college and out of the corporate sector and have kind of just like paved your own path? Yeah, it's been an interesting journey and it's been almost, gosh, it's been about 11 years now. I started at 19. I was in one of my college classes. I think it was chemistry class and I was going to school to be a dietitian. I love health and wellness. It's a huge part of my brand. And And then it's funny. Sometimes when I tell it, I remember different details, but I remember the girl next to me was like, oh, so we're going to be dietitians in hospitals. And I was like, oh, how much do they make? Like, what do you think we're going to make when we get out? And she told me how much they made and how much they worked. And I was like, I'm out. (laughs) I was like, I'm not working like 90 hours a week to make 40 grand a year. Like I'm out. Okay. And so at 19 years old, I call my mom. I'm like, I think I should just get out of here. Let's be honest. I'm not going to class. Like this is a joke. And still back then, I think my mom was always very supportive of me being this little free spirit, but I think she still was like, maybe you should just finish. Mm -hmm. It's safer in life to have a college degree. Right. And so I kind of kept going and I would go another year or two. And then finally I left. And during that time I was blogging about health and wellness. I mean, I was obsessed with nutrition. I was a personal trainer on campus and my intention wasn't to turn the blog into a business or to really make this a, a brand or anything like that. It just transitioned into that organically because I just kept showing up and I love creating content. I love being creative and making videos and blogs and I love creating products and digital and physical, you know, experiences. And Mm -hmm. so I just stayed consistent with that and ultimately built a community. And then with that community, I've kind of dabbed my feet into multi, uh, you know, many different places now, such as live events. My brother and I own a wellness brand now. So that's been really fun. And that's been a crazy roller coaster physical products, podcasting. Uh, I work a lot with brands right now as an influencer. So very typical Enneagram 7 ADD. Like I can't have just (laughs) one source of income coming from one place. That would be too boring. And so as much as it's a little crazy from building that brand, I now have the optionality to, to play in a few different spaces. But it all started literally from that moment at 21 where I was like, you know what? I'm $100,000 in debt. I don't have kids yet. I'm 21. I might as well just be super broke. I might as well just get three side jobs and see if I can make money from a blog. And I can still remember the first granola brand that paid me $40 to talk about their (laughs) granola. And I literally, I thought I was rich. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to make it. And I called my mom again and I was like, listen, I know you're worried about me, but don't be worried. You're literally, I got my first deal. <laughs> she's like, you're literally $100,000 in debt. You're crazy. But she was also like, hey, listen, if you're going to take risks, do it now while you're young. Because it, it's cool to be broke when you don't have kids, right? But it's not cool when you have kids. So 
I kind of had that mentality. I, I have a little bit of this addiction to uncertainty. So mm. I was just like, screw it. I don't want to go to corporate. So I'm willing to try anything else before going into that space. And so I just stayed insanely consistent. And I got to the point where I could slowly phase out of these side jobs and then do it full time. But it, it took several years. I think a lot of times on Instagram, you see the sexy little graphic that's like, make nine figures next month with this <laughs> webinar. I, I don't feel like that's the reality for most people, nor do I want it to be the reality. It does take time. It mm-hmm. takes starting messy. I had no idea what I was doing when it came to anything I've done. I've just Googled it, hired help, asked for help, and I just started. And I think that's the beauty of entrepreneurship is you learn as you go. But so many of us are afraid of that, right? We want all of the answers before we start. But that's that's kind of the cliff You note. in a nutshell, which I, which I love. And like... Something you just said really struck a chord with me where I'm at in my life right now, which is that Mm. uncertainty and like sitting in that and really feeling that and not having any idea or control over the outcome. And for me, I'm a little bit opposite of kind of you. Like I am typically like a huge rule abider. Like Mm. I remember taking one of those personality profiles in the workplace and it being like, you're high conformity. And I'm like, oh yeah, I am. (laughs) And (laughs) friends like me, because then I'll be like, hey, don't worry. (laughs) We might drown, but it's okay because we'll we'll make floaties. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like, yes, I... I need a life draft right now. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think there's something really beautiful about also sitting in a place of uncertainty because obviously I'm a big believer in like the universe and manifestation. And sometimes because of our limiting beliefs, the way we were raised, what we think we should be doing or who we think we should be pleasing, we're not really honing in on the little tugs that are pulling on our heart. The reason why we were put on this planet in the first place. And there's something very beautiful about you recognizing like, life's a game. It's meant to be fun. It's meant to be played. So what? So I'm $100,000 in debt. So what? Like that can change. And I love that because the fear doesn't seem to be there for you. Yeah. It's it's so interesting. I've always wondered if this is nurture versus nature when it Mm. comes to our ability to handle uncertainty. And Tony Robbins talks a lot about this. And when I went to his conferences when I was younger, he always said that life will be easier for people who want to dance with uncertainty a little bit because life is uncertain. It is uncertain. That is the epitome of life. It's not this linear uh, experience, but we want it to be. And we think that it is, but it's not. And so it is interesting. I'm always like, was I born like that? Or what happened? And I do have a very entrepreneurial dad who just took crazy risks as well. So I think maybe that's it, or maybe it's the ADD brain wants a lot of dopamine and change and novelty. But it is interesting though, because I think that that is one of the gifts that I want to give to women, even if it's just a little a little sprinkle of it, is this sense of you can figure it out and you don't mm-hmm. have to have all of the answers. And if you want a life that's incredible, you're going to have to try something different. You're going to have to try what's not normal because we all know what the normal route is. And so for me, I think it was, I'm more afraid of standing still. I'm more afraid mm. of the fear of regret. I'm more afraid of that feeling one day when I'm 90 years old and I'm like, why didn't I try that? Why didn't I do that? That keeps me up. And so I think I sit with the pain of regret more than the pain of trying the thing. And that's Mm. kind of always been the way I do it. I'm like, okay, will I be mad at myself in one year, five years, 50 years if I don't at least try this? If I hate it, I can stop. And if it doesn't work or I fail, 
cool. I don't have to do it forever, but will I be mad at myself for not at least trying? And if the answer is yes, I do it. And if the answer is like, I don't know, then maybe I don't do it. So I think we all have kind of like an internal conversation around taking a leap, you know? Right, right. No, absolutely. (laughs) One of the things I've definitely watched you do in the time that I've known you, which has been over the course of the last few years, is really talk about showing up no matter how many people are there, right? I can instinctly think of this Instagram post that you kind of resurface every now and again. And you talk about just being consistent. And then you talk about really not comparing yourself to other people in your space, um, you know, whether, whether it be in business or in anything else in life. And I really love that you give us women permission to just kind of let go and not try to live up to some sort of status quo. I still find myself having a hard time doing that. I still find myself struggling over, oh, does this look pretty in my Instagram feed, which really has no bearing on anything, right? But how did you embrace that? And and how did you also consistently show up when it was like your mom, your aunt, and you know, your best friend? Yeah, it is really funny because for a long time, it was like that. And, and when I started, it was what, 10, 11 years ago. So social media and owning a personal brand wasn't as normal or as accepted as it is today. So people thought I was crazy. Like I remember my friends, parents, or yeah, close family being like, dude, you, this isn't a job. Like you can't get paid to talk to people or to create courses or host events or this not, it's not a real job. And I was like, I think it can be a job. (laughs) So I do, I do remember those feelings and just being kind of embarrassed, but also I was like, Hey, it's, it's my life, not theirs. I'm the one who has to go to sleep with myself every night. So at the end of the day, it's almost like, what's the point of listening to them and what they want for their life? It is really difficult. I'll be honest with you. I think the hardest part of of my job is comparisonitis. It is the Mm -hmm. hardest part that I've had to deal with. Everybody has their little gremlin. Some people it's perfectionism. Some people it's fear of failure. Some people it's fear of success. I mean, everybody's, everybody's got their thing. We're human. But for me, it is judgment and comparison. It's this fear of what will they think if I do this? And what if it doesn't look as good as hers? And what if it won't be as good as that, as that person's? And so I think this is a constant struggle, especially when you are creative. And it's interesting to now be in a phase where I've really had to tune out a lot of things or unfollow or mute a lot of things so I can really tune into what's true for me. Because you're right. If you scroll enough, you'll start to think that your life sucks. You'll start to think that your work (laughs) isn't enough. You'll start to think you need to make nine figures a day or something. Like you'll, you'll, You'll see the craziest stuff. And I think that Instagram is such a beautiful gift and such a beautiful app, but I think it also can really cause that sense of behindness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really see it as if you love what you're doing and if you really enjoy it and you feel that it's your way of expressing yourself and helping people, it makes it not as hard when when you realize that the beginning is going to be a little sticky and it's going to be a little embarrassing. And so for me, I've always loved it. So for me, I realized, hey, even if no one pays me a dollar, this is what I would do. This is what I would talk about. This is what I would share. And then having fun along the journey. I mean, that's one of the biggest principles in my brand is is fun. And so I think a lot of women are really hard on themselves and they take it very seriously and they they have a very intense energy while they're building their business and they forget that the journey is the entire thing and, and it's meant to be enjoyed. And so when I did a live and only my grandma would watch, like I would laugh at it and be like, wow, one day I'm going to 
laugh at this. So I might as well laugh at it a little bit now because this sucks. <laughs> you have to find the joy in the process because if not, you're not going to stick with it. I really think consistency comes from joy. You have to mm-hmm. love what you're doing in order to stay consistent. So, and also speaking of the example of, let's say you're going live and, and only your grandma's watching or something, or you're only your grandma's commenting. I think there's beauty to that. I think there's beauty to being a beginner and not having too much feedback because imagine if overnight you had 6 million followers Oh wow. And you're mm-hmm. brand new. And all of a sudden you had all of this feedback. I don't think emotionally we would be ready for that if that's what happened. I think we're meant to grow slowly because I gr- grew up so much. I mean, I've had to mature. I've had to learn things. I've had to read a comment of someone saying, you suck and learn how to delete it or block it and move forward. Like it, it's, it's, there's been awkward, not fun parts of it that I think if I was given all of that right away overnight, it would have been very difficult for me to process. So I don't know. I think there's a beauty to to starting small. There's a beauty to to not having that large of an audience watching your work right away because you can mess up more and and have more fun with it versus if you had millions of eyeballs on your work immediately when you started. I I think that's what we think we want, but I don't actually think that would give us a sense of accomplishment or growth. Right. Do you ever look back and reflect upon like your blog posts from when you first started or even a podcast episode that you're like, whoa, I was such a beginner back then. And like, look at me now. Yeah. I listen. I, I once in a while will listen to one, but it makes me cringe and it's really <laughs> awkward. I can't listen <laughs> to myself or watch myself. I hate it. So like if, if Clay's in the car and he's like, oh, let's play it. I'm like, no, stop. This is so embarrassing. I will literally kill you. Do not play it. <laughs> so Yeah. But then I'm like, you know what? One, I think it's more embarrassing than somebody else because it's myself and I'm my worst right. critic. But I love knowing that I started before I was ready because if it was amazing, then I probably started too late. So for me, I think that's great. And then it's cool to see your growth and what you were interested in. I was 19 when I started. So my interests then were so different than they are now at 31. I feel like I'm actually turning into a woman and I have so many different priorities and interests now that at 19, all I cared about was pre-workouts and push-ups. So I mean, literally that's what I would email out about. I'd be like, guys, do your push-ups today. (laughs) That's all I care about. I just love taking pre-workouts and push-ups and I was ripped and I was like, yeah, this is life. So I think that it's cool to see that because I'm like, wow, I've I've changed so much. Like I some of those things I still care about, but now some of those things I I don't I don't drink those pre-workouts anymore. <laughs> right. It is all about the journey, right? But yeah. it but it's it has to be kind of fun to reflect back. Do you remember when you like hit, I mean, now you're at millions of downloads on your podcast, but do you remember like, were there milestones that you had for yourself and like what you did when you actually attained that milestone? That's such a good question. Wow. I feel like it's like a, like a therapy session. (laughs) Oh my God. Again, you're going to think I'm crazy because, but I, I don't, I don't know. I joke and I always say that I don't have a left brain. I feel like I literally don't have one, which is Mm -hmm. funny because I got my brain scanned at the Amen Clinic and they, they confirmed, they're like, you're very right brain heavy, but I don't think of things in metrics or numbers. Mm. I think of things in create in, in creative aspects. So for me, yeah, I look at it a little bit, but not a lot. Like I have other friends who are like always refreshing every week and looking at it all the time and they obsess about their numbers and their analytics. And I'm like, dude, to me, I know if it was good content at this point, like I can intuitively hit like, oh, this is helpful. This is good. Mm-hmm. I don't need to have numbers validate me anymore. I don't, I don't need that obsession. I think it can harm people if done too much. I think for me, it feels very masculine. And it also feels like it's not why I'm doing this. For me, it was always, okay, first it was just to pay off debt. And then step two was match the income for my other jobs. Okay. Then it was setting some financial goals, but 
Now it's like, okay, what do I need to make to live the lifestyle I want to live and to, and to be free? And if that's what I've hit, cool. I don't, I don't care if it's 15 million downloads or 20. Like I, I could care less. It's just really about the lifestyle I'm able to live and how many people I've helped. I don't obsess about it, but I do think there's other women who do, who are very analytical, very strategic. For some women, that's very satisfying and helpful for them to constantly be studying that. But I have found with metrics that if I'm, if I'm doing that, if I'm obsessing about it, it's similar to counting calories. It feels like eventually I end up just, it doesn't go well. I end up eating more and I end up just self-sabotaging a little bit. (laughs) Wow. That is an amazing analogy. And that is like, like that just like hit me like a gut punch, but it's so, it's so true. And I think even speaking for myself, I started this podcast as a passion project. And my Mm. A number one goal was if I can help one person, then that fills my bucket. You know what I mean? And so I hope that message just hit everybody else like a gut punch because it's not about the numbers. I mean, it's amazing. The numbers follow because like you said, you're putting out good content and it has been fun watching you evolve and watching you kind of pivot in your subject matter. Because again, like I was saying in the beginning, you know, our kind of avatar listener is a version of ourselves, right? And I feel like there's a lot of parallels in what you're doing and and where I'm at in life. One of the things I want to talk about, which I love about you, is you have all these like coin phrases, like poop your pants, terrified, and baby grandma, and ready is a lie, pays to be brave, all the things. That's obviously a reflection of your creativity, but it's also just you being so authentically you. And Mm. it's just, it's, it's just part of you. Right. So like, how does that come to be? And how are you just so comfortable sharing all these different sides of your life? Yeah. One thing I want to echo about what you said prior, it's about the metrics. It is interesting that I think we think that when we get to a certain place, it's going to feel a certain way. And I am like dead serious when I say this. And and I feel like I can't imagine how, like you always see on TLC, like Britney Spears is like now depressed or like these super famous people who are had all this success on paper or whatever are depressed. And people are like, Oh, how are they depressed? It's like, because it never ends. Like the line keeps moving. Of course they're Mm. depressed. Like they have Mm -hmm. so much pressure on them. So not to say we're all Britney Spears listening, but it's, it's the similar analogy of like, I remember when I started and I had two downloads, three downloads. And I remember thinking, Oh, when I have 15 million or 20 million, I'm going to be so happy. Like, I'm just gonna, I'm going to be so cool and happy and great. And, but it, I literally don't feel any different. I feel exactly, if not anything, I actually feel more stress. I feel more responsibility. Yeah. I I feel like that feeling when you're a newbie is a little bit more, it's more fresh and you're a little bit more like closer to the the feeling of like why you're doing it. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting. So just a reminder for anyone listening who thinks like once you hit a certain financial goal or metric, everything's just going to be dandy. Not necessarily. You have to enjoy the process. For me, I think being ruthlessly authentic, (laughs) embarrassingly, (laughs) (laughs) embarrassingly authentic, we'll call it. I think what happened is I always say it's really exhausting to not be yourself. And so what happened is when I was not faking it, but I was being a little bit more reserved in the beginning, I noticed that I wasn't as happy when I was doing my work and and I just felt like something wasn't in alignment. And so similar to dating or anything else, building relationships with people online, you can't fake it for that long. Mm -hmm. Eventually, you're going to burn out. You're just going to be like, I can't do this anymore. And I have a very strong comedic side. I'm, I'm starting stand up soon. Like I love comedy. It's one of my Yay! favorite things. <laughs> one of my favorite things in the world. Very scared, but we'll see. It's one of my favorite arts. I love it. And I think it's so powerful and I think it can heal people and help people. And so I was so nervous to share that really weird 
inappropriate side of me. Like I have a very unfiltered, not PC side of me. And I was like, man, what if I shared this? Like, what if I just sent on an email with like talking about pooping your pants or something? Like, I wonder if people will care. And and then I just one day was like, you know what? I might as well just show them now because eventually it's going to come out. This is way too exhausting to fake it. I don't want to be an actress. I just want to be myself. And so Mm -hmm. I sent it out. And honestly, from there, and that was like six, seven years ago, from there, it just kind of, I don't want to use the word exploded, but it really, I felt this deeper connection with my audience because they realized that I wasn't trying to be this polished online marketer. And that's just not who I am. And so I think some women are, and that's great if that's them, but I, I can't do that. And so for me, it's always just been going back to like, what's, what's true for me and what feels good for me. And in order to sustain a personal brand where you're sharing your personality, I really think people can smell that inauthenticity and you're Mm -hmm. just going to burn out if you're not real. So I'm constantly going back to myself of like, just be you, like be so fully you that it inspires other people to be them. Like own your weird means like, just be whatever that looks like for you. And I think that's going to be the next evolution of my brand is really helping people through that process because it's really hard. I mean, society, parents, friends, whoever, the internet, people don't want to see different. They don't want to see weird yet. That's what we love and we secretly all want to be. So it it has been hard though. I mean, I won't lie. It is weird in the beginning when you start to share those things, especially when like at the time you're the only person like really doing that. (laughs) But yeah, (laughs) but I don't know. I just don't care. I don't know. I, I'd rather be myself than fake it and and hate myself. You know what I mean? And not love what I'm doing. I mean, same. And I have to call out you, you use the descriptive explosive. Oh yeah. (laughs) When, but it, but I'm just dying because it's like with the whole poopy (laughs) pants, like, like okay that's a yeah, visual you know, that's a you visual. Know. like you really have to go <laughs> <laughs> oh my god too funny but it's so true and so good and I love that you're doing this and you're just being your authentic self I made a post actually today I'm a very sweaty person and like so sweaty it's oh. it's just oh my god I I could be in snow and still be sweating. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. And forever, I was so embarrassed by it. I would wipe my palms off before I shook somebody's hand or it didn't matter what setting I was in. It wasn't like a a nervous reaction. It was just my body is always (laughs) overheating. I love it. And so I've come to this point in my life where I'm like, I'm just going to own it and when I introduce myself to you at hello, I'm just going to acknowledge it. If it's happening in the moment, I'm just going to be like, hi, Angie, I'm Erin. I sweat a lot. Like, take it or leave it. And it was kind of funny to make this post about that. You know, I was kind of hoping people would chime in and say, like, did they find that weird? Yeah. Did they even notice I was sweating? Because sometimes I think we also fixate on things that really front of mind for us. But like, yes. you might meet me and never even know. And then also, like, I wondered, what did they think about that sort of approach of just being like, I am who I am, and this is part mm-hmm. of me, and like, accept it or or don't? Yeah, I mean, it's actually one of the greatest, I mean, that's so brilliant that you've even noticed that quality of, of self-deprecation, because in comedy and speaking, that's actually like one of the first rules they teach you is like, call out the obvious. So mm. if you're nervous, or you've got a big zit, or you're, I don't know, there's something in your nose, like, whatever it is, like we're all human. And so when you show that you're also human, people love it because we're just done, done are the days where we want to see people's perfect lives. 
on social. And so when you mess up, you just own it and you call it out and people love it. Like it's, yeah. I realize there's so much freedom in that. Like it, instead of hiding it, I think that's so genius that you're like, yeah, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. And I'm just going to live that way. So, I mean, yeah. it's not uncommon, Angie, for me to be like on the dance floor with kid you not like bar napkins, like stuff oh. down my shirt because I'm, I'm that sweaty and it's like, it's wow. okay. It's Maybe fine. You have, like hyperhidrosis, right? Oh, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Hyperhidrosis is where you sweat too much and then people can get like Botox under their armpits to like mm. stop the sweat glands. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I'd be afraid it might come out <laughs> I know, right? It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Else is I, out? I do have a theory, though, and this is something that you've also talked about quite extensively, and you've tied it into being your authentic self. And that's, I do also have breast implants, mm-hmm. and I've had, the, they're very vintage. They're, like that word. <laughs> they're circa 2006. So mm. they've been in there a long time, and I've listened to, your discussions and episodes and also followed some of the people that you mentioned in that community to kind of do some more research on perhaps maybe that could be a cause for this issue. Uh Wait, that's so fascinating because my mom just got hers out and my mom used to sweat a lot. So I'm going to ask her about this. Yeah. Oh, let me know because I mean, and it's funny. So I've often actually asked myself that same question that I think you were asking yourself when you had your breast implants, like, you felt that that made you inauthentic or not kind of being your full self. And I've I've grappled with that. And I haven't kind of come to that answer because just like in my sweating issue, I've always been very upfront and honest, like, oh, you know. So what made you, aside of the health impact, what made you kind of make that correlation that it wasn't you being your true self? Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, because there's there's two sides of it, right? There was the health part where I was like, okay, long-term, this can't be good for me. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'd rather just like not have to worry about it for the rest of my life. And I don't want to go under anesthesia every five, 10 years. Like, no, like I'm yeah. terrified of anesthesia and it's not good for you. So I kind of was just like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other side is you're right. It's, it's the emotional side. It's the feeling connected to your body. And when I think of myself, it, it's, it's interesting what we, how we see ourselves and then our, our outward uh, appearance of ourselves. Like I'm naturally brunette, really dark. So I guess when I close my eyes mm-hmm. and I think of like, eight-year-old Angie, like she's brunette Uh because she's not, she doesn't have blonde highlights. Like I'm naturally dark. So I feel like it's similar in that. Like when I close my eyes and I think of my like inner child or like who she is, like she does not have big boobs. I've always been an athlete. I've always had a lean upper body. I've always been able to like do more push-ups than the boys and and do Mm pull-ups and do backflips. I mean, I was a gymnast for 15 years. Like I don't see myself as a big breasted woman. So Mm -hmm. there's just like a misalignment with that, but I got it because I was in the fitness industry and, and felt the pressure and I thought that no guy would like me. And you know, the end of the story, I found out that <laughs> yeah. they didn't care at all. And I was like, what? Why did I do this? So <laughs> it's interesting. So I think it's almost like for all of us, no matter what it is, if it feels authentic for us, do it, keep it. But if you have a sense of like, this isn't actually really me, then I think you'll know, you'll have the nudge, you'll have that feeling of, does this feel like it's in alignment? But it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. Cause I know a lot of women, they put their identity into it. So it's, it's for some people, it's very difficult for a few months after to adjust. But for me, it was so easy. I woke up and I was like, I'm free. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I've actually, I've been to a couple doctors to ask about it and what that might feel and look like and all those things. And, And it's funny because one of the doctors told me, he's like, 
every single woman who's had them removed has been so happy with her decision and said she's felt better. He's like 100% of them. And he's like, I don't know if that's placebo or whatever, but he's like, you're removing something foreign in your body. And yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. So yeah, okay, that gives me definitely more food for thought, and I will continue yeah, on that journey. Yeah, especially if you them that long, at least, at least get them switched out and or a fat transfer or something. I mean, I pray the day that they could just like infuse like, I don't know, like collagen and kale like in there and just, I don't know, like a sock. Can't they just like put a sock in there? But I mean, at least get them changed because it's, it's, it's funny that they say like every 10 years, but it's like, yeah, it should probably be every like three to five, like think about it. It's like living in your body and your body is what, like almost a hundred degrees. So I don't know. It is, I would at well, least. I might be up. 120 degrees. Yeah. I was gonna say, <laughs> yours is heating up. You're like 200 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> yeah. Mine is definitely. That's uh, good though. It means the- you're detoxing. Like I, I love the sauna and detoxing. True. True. <laughs> yeah. There are some benefits. I mean, yeah. there are some benefits. <laughs> I've watched you kind of pivot from having your career. And and I'm not saying that you're like taking a step back, but I've kind of like watched this pivot happen naturally where you're like, you know what, now's the time for me to kind of like be more present and kind of let my personal life take more of a front row seat. And I really love that because I think hustle culture and just like constantly like go, go, go. And whether that was spurred on by the aftermath of like COVID and what kind of COVID taught us about slowing down and looking more inward and just really kind of being present and not always in in onto the next thing. But I'm excited for this journey for you in, in being a mom and moving into that space. So can you like just kind of describe what that was like to kind of have that realization and and also go, okay, I can do it all. I'm going to have to set some boundaries and find a balance, but I can I can have this beautiful work-life balance. Yeah, it is interesting because I think that now more women are waking up to to hustle culture and how just just heavy it can feel and and can be. And I I do think though, that sometimes it's necessary to go through a season of hustle. I won't be that person who's like, just lay on the couch and meditate and you'll make money. And like, there's amazing (laughs) manifestation coaches and it's very fluffy and it's cute and it's fine, but it's like, I don't know. I feel like it's a disservice to tell women that it's that easy too. So for me, I'm like, what is the answer then? I'm like, it must be both. It must be seasons. I think the answer is seasons. I think you have months or years where maybe you are prioritizing different things. And so from you know, 19 to 27, 28. I mean, that's all I did is I built this brand and I worked and I focused and then I saved money. I mean, I built soul. We sold part of soul a few years ago. So I got to a point where I'm like, financially, I'm like, I don't really need to to work. So what, what do I actually want to do now? And I went into this like really like, not like depressed, but like this very interesting season of, I don't know. And it was really interesting. And I'm still navigating those waters and trying to figure out what does that look like? What does that feel like? what would I actually talk about if I didn't feel like I had to? And so it's been very interesting, but I think if anything, it's taught me that, yeah, we all need seasons and yeah, I'd love to be a mom soon. So it's like, I don't want to work 70 hours a week if I don't have to, like, that's not the vision for my life. That's not why I I, I started all of this. You know, I started it for time, freedom and balance and, and especially having wellness be one of the strongest pillars of my brand. I, it breaks my heart when I hear of female entrepreneurs who, yes, on paper are crushing it and making millions of dollars, but 
their adrenals are burnt out and they don't sleep and they hardly see their husband and their kids. And I'm like, that's not success to me. Like, that sounds like, that sounds like my worst nightmare. And I knew that. And at at an early age, I mean, at 26, 27, I was like, Hey, I don't want it to look like that in my thirties. I don't want to be like this woman who has all this money, but I don't have friends or my wellness or a great marriage, or I just don't want that. And for some women who do, that's cool, but I just, I don't want that. And so it's been interesting to kind of like sit back and be like, what do I actually want for my thirties? And what will my thirties look like? And, And how can I work in a way where it feels creative and expressive and it's fun and I like to do it, but then I don't feel like it feels like this stressful part of my life because from a health perspective, I think one of the worst things for women who are are trying to get pregnant obviously is, is stress. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I'm like, I rather just focus on, yeah, maintaining my, my stress levels right now. But yeah, I think, I think it's healthy for everyone to go through seasons. I think that entrepreneurship, I mean, the same stuff over and over can be, it could just be a lot on your system and in your brain. So I'm in an interesting season now where I'm like, what do, what do I really want to do next? Is it, I don't think it's live events again, mm-hmm. helping Mike build soul even more. I don't, I don't, it's, it's an interesting space I'm in. Is it the show? But that's kind of where I'm at now is really figuring out what does that look like? And where do I see this brand in, in five years? Is it showing women how to do both and how to be creative and ambitious, but also be a mom? And, and I don't know, I don't have the answers yet, but that's kind of yeah. where I'm but at. But again, you're, honest, you're sitting in that uncertainty and you're doing it so beautifully and, and just really talking through it. And, yeah. and that fear again is not, is not coming up. Like I feel like if, if the roles were reversed, that fear would kind of be bubbling up inside of me. And I, and I feel like you just talk about it. Like you're telling me what you ate at lunch. I'm like, we'll see what it looks like. Cause it's such a gift. Like I'm in a good position where I'm like, huh, what, what do I really, my interests are changing and they're different. And I would love to just step more into comedy and, and wellness and, and still have some motivational aspects, but not, that's not like the, pri- the, the main part of my brand. So it is interesting to be in those pivots because they feel weird and icky. But then you're also like, wait, this is life. If we did the same thing forever, that would be boring. So, so absolutely, <laughs> so absolutely. Mm. When you, I don't know if this is the right way to phrase it, but like, kind of like when you made it, it obviously mm-hmm. then kind of opens some more doors for you and kind of gives you this like vaster network. So, so talk to me about that. Like, what does it feel like to kind of like rub shoulders with with people who have also like made it and to have these kind of doors opened? Or do you think that that's kind of not how it is? And that's kind of a fantasy as to how we see things as an onlooker? That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've met some, obviously I've met some really cool people in this industry, some of my close friends still, which is great. I lived in Los Angeles for a bit where that's like very common there that everybody is doing entrepreneurial things like that. And I think, I think... (laughs) I'm like, this is an interesting question. I think I'll, I'll give it real for you. I'll give it real for your listeners. I mean, obviously, this is all I gotta say. Not everything that glitters glitters. So, like, I think that we think it's cool, or we think that these people are a certain way, but in reality, I think it's everybody's got problems. Everybody's real, and so it's interesting. I mean, I have I've co- colleagues, I guess you'd say, in the personal development space and other podcasters that I talk to here and there, but most of my time is spent with my friends who actually aren't entrepreneurs or in the space. Some are speakers or coaches or entrepreneurs or whatnot, but, but a good chunk aren't. And I was thinking about that the other day and it's just so refreshing because they don't, they know what I do and and they care and they're supportive, but, but it's not the same mentality. It's not the same, like it's just not the same. And so I do think it's healthy to, for the listener, no matter what you do or no matter who you meet to always just remember who you are and to know that nobody is anything really 
mean, we're special, but we're not. You know what I mean? If you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh-huh. like everybody's got issues. Everyone's got stuff. Not everything you see on the internet is real. And I think also that it's it's healthy to keep friends that are in different networks just to keep you grounded. Because if I only talk to other people in this space, I think that would not be as powerful as as having friends who are in different industries and spaces too. So I feel like I'm almost kind of a hermit. I don't I don't want to really network too much anymore. <laughs> Right. Well, I don't blame you. And like yeah. you said, you're like, I'm at a place in my life where I've attained enough money to where I don't really have to work. I get to pick and choose what I want to do. I get to, you know, basically do what feels good to you. And mm-hmm. so if you want to go network, go network. Yeah. But if you don't, like, stay at home with pickles and make <laughs> make fun reels. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 I think there's, and again, going back to seasons, right? It's almost like, I think there was a season for that when I moved to LA and that was really helpful. I mean, I was living in Chicago and I wanted to go out there to network and to go to all these events and these things. And it was great. But then that, that season's over and now I live in Texas. So I, I feel like I, I loved that season in my early twenties, but I, I don't really want to go back to it because it was just like, I don't know, you got to like put pants on and like go to events and stuff. I don't, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. do that. I'll just stay home. I'm a hermit. Oh <laughs> I'm a grandma. I don't want to go yeah. out and like, have to look fancy. I'm like, what do you do? Oh, what do you do? It's like, uh, I'll just stay home and take a bath. Yeah. Which I love too, after you moved to Texas and you're like, I'm not telling, like my neighbors don't know who I am and they don't know oh what gosh, I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> no, I got so yeah. mad at Clay. Like our first day here, we're like taking out the garbage and our neighbor's like, what do you do? And I'm like, I, like, oh, she's got a podcast. You should listen to it. I'm like, why would you tell this random guy to go listen to it who can literally see through my window? Like, I don't know. Like, what if he hates it and he judges me and then he thinks I suck? Like, I don't want to have to see him every day when I'm walking my dog. So it's, it's a very vulnerable thing. Like, I can't see his job as a dentist and judge him, but he gets to judge me. Like, no. And so oh we got in a huge fight about it. And he was like, what? Come on. Why, why is it such a big deal? I'm like, just tell him I'm like, a, I don't know, like a nurse. Like, I don't know. <laughs> He's like, we're going to ask you where you work. I'm like, just make up a hospital. I don't know. (laughs) I'm a little bit more like I don't like when people ask what I do, which is very interesting because I used to like it and I used to care. But now I'm like, I don't know. It's, it starts to just feel like they, they want to ask you all these questions and right. What's a job? You're like, yeah, you like talk to people on the internet. (laughs) They're like, oh, cool. I want to do that. It's like, "Eh, there's pros and cons to any job, right? right? Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. So funny. (laughs) So when does your book come out? Because I'm dying to read it. I don't know. We're thinking 2022. We'll see. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really sitting on, I almost called it Pays to be Brave, on uh, Ready as a Lie and what we really want to do with that. So to be determined. Well, I can't wait. I'm, I'm so excited for that. And I just really love what you're doing. And you're even more incredible talking to you than probably what I thought. And and I know that probably feels weird in some sense, like there's a lot of comfort from listening to your podcast, from just following your journey on Instagram and, and just for the permission that you give women that you've given me myself to just Aww. lean into who I am and just kind of like trust my intuition, trust my gut. And now I've learned a new lesson today, which is be okay with that uncertainty and sit in it and just know that it's all going to be fine. Oh, I love that. That's like my goal. I just want to be the permission slip for people to be themselves and yeah. whatever that looks like, because with that, then you can go do anything. Right. And you're unstoppable. And I think that every industry and niche is craving that right now. Somebody who does it just a little bit different 
or when you follow them, you can tell that they actually don't do it like anybody else does. And that's what I recommend to people is like literally unfollow anyone in your niche, even for just a bit, just to really tune into what would you create? What would you post? What would you say if there were no marketing rules? Like, what would you do? And I think that is what's refreshing versus I think we're all trying to be like a cookie cutter version of each other. And then it just all starts to uh, kind of blend. And I just think that that's not what we need right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is so good. It's so good. Angie, thank you so much. I so appreciate you being here and sharing all this with us. Of course. This was so fun. Those were such good questions. Hook, line, and sinker. I'm going to cast some questions Angie's way, and she's going to rummage through her tackle box for the answers. Hook us up with your best relationship advice. Ooh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys, get ready. I'm the guru on this. Um, Oh, there's so many. Okay, I was going to say communication, but no, everybody says that. Hold on. My best relationship advice, honestly, and it's the savior and it's the glue for Clay and I, is, is laughing. And I think that mm. everybody, even if you don't consider yourself funny or, or a silly person, I think all of us have a silly goose inside of us. So I, I know we do because we've all been five years old. So mm-hmm. I really think that that is like our home base. We always come back to that. If we're like in a stressful situation or something's stressing us out, we just like laugh at it. We're like, isn't life crazy? And like we somehow make a skit out of it and we just can use that as the glue to bring us back together. So I I wish more couples just played together and just had fun. Mm. I think when we take things so seriously as a couple, that's when it can actually be more detrimental. What's the cringiest pickup line someone's used on you? <laughs> I was I was about, I was about to say what's the cringiest pickup line I've ever used? <laughs> oh my god, you can say that too. You can say that too. I feel like it was me when I was single. I was like I was like that weird girl. I would be at like Whole Foods. And if I saw a hot guy at Whole Foods, I would go over and and if he was buying salmon and I was buying salmon, I'd be like, oh, so you also like salmon. And then he would just be like, what? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. I like salmon too. (laughs) I just have zero games. So I just. (laughs) Did it ever work? It, no, it didn't work. It did. It never worked. I never picked up guys. They just thought I was like the weird girl. What's something that you're going to let go of that might be holding you back from claiming what you want? Ooh, similar to what we said earlier, I would say comparisonitis. Just those the the trap of comparing my work or my life to other people. I think if I can fully let that go, that is going to be the most freeing thing I can do. Thank you so much for joining Angie and me for this conversation about claiming authenticity. This was such a magical experience for me. You never know when you meet someone you admire if they're going to live up to the hype you've built up in your head. I have to say Angie was exactly how I expected her to be and more. Here are a few of my key takeaways from our chat. There are uncertainties in life. Learn to sit in the uncertainties because life is not a linear experience. Two, everyone has a little gremlin. Some people fear failure. Some people struggle with perfectionism. Others become paralyzed by comparison. Embrace your own journey. Don't compare your day one with somebody else's day 100. 
Three, rather than focusing on analytics and metrics as a means of success, view success as being able to live the lifestyle you desire, being able to help as many people as you can. When you base your success off of metrics, the bar is always moving. It's impossible to catch it. Four, being anything other than your authentic self is exhausting. Embrace your weird. Five, we go through seasons. It's okay to pivot during these seasons. One season may be a true season of hustle. Another might be more mellow, inward focused, and paced. And lastly, not everything that glitters, glitters. Meaning someone else's journey is not always as great as it's portrayed. No one is perfect. We're all human and we all experience peaks and valleys. I'm on cloud nine after this. I hope you felt the magic that Angie offers. She's a great follow too. Her reels and comedy will leave you snorting and in stitches. Angie and I continue our conversation over on YSC Unfiltered. With Christmas approaching, I will be back next week with one last episode, a solo cast before the new year. Ladies, I said it once and I'll say it again. Before we can reel in the catch of a lifetime, we must first bait the hook with self-love.